Hi, rookies. It's Tavi Evanson, host of the Rookie Podcast. Thanks for being here. Before we get into the show this week, I want to take a second to shout out Wanderson564, who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It starts off um, surprisingly negative, but gets better. <laughs> uh, kind of like life. He writes, This podcast is definitely not for me. <laughs> I'm 44, male, father of two. One of my charging... I guess um, he means changing, unless his child is a robot. One of my changing kids is a surly 14-year-old who needs to hear a more diverse range of voices. We're listening to your episodes together, and it's clear she gets it. Love it. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Dad. I love the idea of a father and daughter out there somewhere listening to our podcast together. It's been really fun to read those reviews and all of the feedback we've been getting, so thanks again to everyone for the continued posy vibes. Speaking of this podcast, um, we've got a really good one for you this week. In a little bit, you'll hear my talk with Cecile Richards, president of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America and all-around hero. I've been really incredibly privileged because every job I've ever had has been either making trouble or making change. And then co-host of the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, Aminatu So, answers a question from a listener about homesickness. There's no shame in asking for help. I think that that's kind of the biggest thing that I've learned in adult life is that if you tell your friends that you need them, they are almost always there for you. But first, we've got our recurring segment, Starter Pack. You know when you're trying to get into, like, a new genre of music or a subculture of the past that you don't know a lot about, but you don't want to just read a Wikipedia page? You want someone who has a personal connection to that thing to tell you the best entry points? enter starter pack this week we're gonna have sandy honig introduce us to absurdist comedy whatever that means well we're gonna find out hello uh i'm sandy honig i'm a uh, comedian photographer Uh, i live in brooklyn and this is starter pack so uh today on starter pack i'm talking alternative comedy Personally, I hate that term. I really don't like using it, but it's the best way to describe something that, you know, isn't quite stand-up comedy, but it isn't really sketch comedy. It isn't really like a narrative television show. Basically, it just, it isn't quite. Uh, But other labels that, you know, you might hear be, you know, absurdist, surreal, off-kilter, zany, or, you know, a million other terms that people use in place of simply yelling, weird! That's weird. I feel like Steve Martin is the easiest example of, you know, alternative comedy where his routines most of the time didn't have punchlines or he'd just be, you know, singing a song, but you're still laughing. And you don't know why, but you're laughing. One of my favorite TV shows is one that has been described as self-indulgent and uh, contains approximately zero jokes. Those are things that were written in an attempt to critique the show, but they're the reasons that 
I like it. It's a British show called Luxury Comedy, created by Noel Fielding. If you don't know who he is, he was part of the duo The Mighty Boosh, who had a television show on the BBC in the early 2000s, which is also a great show that I recommend. It's amazing. Um, the Mighty Boosh was, you know, it was weird in its own way, but still followed the structure of a normal television show. You know, you've got a setting that's recognizable, you know, in our reality, but the absurdity would come from when they would travel into more surreal realms and meet characters that weren't really human. But so in Luxury Comedy, which is, you know, Noel Fielding's show, he completely, like, sheds the facade of reality, and he exists only in the fantasy part, just fully fantasy. The show makes no sense, and it doesn't try to, and that's why I love it, because you can just watch the show and try not to make anything of it. You can just enjoy the beauty and the oddity and laugh when it's funny. All the episodes are on YouTube, and um, my favorite episode is called Mashed Potato Utopia, uh, which I think is a good one to start with. My next recommendation is the comedy group Stella, which uh, is made up of Michael Showalter, David Wayne, and Michael Ian Black, who are all, like, very great established comedians and directors on their own. They st It started as little five- to seven-minute comedy shorts that they would screen at live shows, and it uh, became a season of a TV show on Comedy Central in 2005. So one episode, they open a coffee shop. Another episode, they run for the co-op board of their apartment building. It becomes, like, this really intense uh, political campaign sort of, like, parody. The three of them are just so perfect together. Um, you can watch the shorts on YouTube. Try to find their TV show somewhere. You can buy a DVD of the whole season. Hopefully you have a DVD player or a CD drive in your computer because I don't and I can't watch DVDs. And technology really moves faster than we can keep up with, doesn't it? So another hot wreck I got for you is a web series that Jenny Slate and Dean Flesher Camp made called Catherine, A Story in 12 Parts. Um, it's a really, really eerie web series. So each episode is like two to three minutes and deals with Catherine, who's played by Jenny Slate. She wants to come back and work in the office. I say the office not to intentionally be vague, but because in the first episode... Jenny Slate dials the phone and says, I want to come back and work in the office. And the guy on the phone says to his co-workers, Catherine wants to work in the office. It's very stilted and unnatural. The dialogue is very formal. The visuals are entirely just like beige and muted colors. Everything about it is eerie and it feels like a soap opera. But if there was like no plot or drama, it's so funny and how understated and like strange it is. You'll watch the whole series and you'll go, that's it? But also you'll go, whoa, like that was it. <laughs> it's the funniest, most unsettling thing I've ever seen. I love it so much. Watch it on YouTube. It's on Jash's YouTube. You have to. There are two Comedy Central specials to look out for if you're craving some current alt comedy. It was just announced that the comedians Joe Firestone and Julio Torres are going to have half-hour specials on Comedy Central. I think they were just filmed, so they're going to come out soon, I think, maybe in the fall. They're both you know, stand-up comedians, but they bring an artistry to joke-telling that feels very unique and special than just telling us their, like, wacky observations about life. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just, like, we're here, we're talking about alternative comedy, stuff that, like, pushes the boundaries of what comedy can be. So these two definitely fit that bill because they're not, you know, traditional stand-up. I'm going to do a little recap. We have Luxury Comedy by Noel Fielding. We've got Stella. We've got Catherine, uh, a story in 12 parts, Joe Firestone, and Julio Torres. All right, that's all for me. 
This has been Starter Pack. That was Sandy Honig, rookie contributor and comedian. You can find her work and self on Twitter at S-A-N-D-Y-H-O-N-I-G. Stay tuned for Cecile Richards after this break. Cecile Richards is the president of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, which is just what it sounds like, a group of superheroes across the country bringing health care to people who need it. There are 650 Planned Parenthood health centers, and they serve 2.5 million patients a year. Maybe you've been one of them, or you went with your friend, or you've gotten information from their sex education program. An estimated one in five women in the U.S. will visit a Planned Parenthood at least once in her life. I have. Before Planned Parenthood, Cecile was the deputy chief of staff for the House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi. She also founded an organization called America Votes in 2004 that helped people get registered to vote. She's helped people working in hotels and hospitals and as janitors organize for better working conditions. Uh, She's been an activist basically as long as she's been alive. So that's where I started our conversation. You have had such an interesting career path. Um, Your mother was governor of Texas, and both of your parents were very politically active. I know that you were growing up. You've been president of Planned Parenthood since 2006, but you got your start as a young activist and labor organizer. So how did you choose to work in reproductive rights? So... Well, I yeah, I grew up in Texas, and it's just kind of funny. I think my parents, they were they were active in every movement. And so we were just, I mean, we kind of grew up in a, in a family where, you know, you didn't eat dinner at the dinner table. That's kind of where you organized whatever campaign was going on. And so that just was just in my, I guess, in my bloodstream. And I'd always been an organizer, and I'd worked, um, I'd worked organizing low-wage workers in all kinds of different industries and jobs, and it had the honor of doing a lot of work in the Rio Grande border. And then when this opportunity at Planned Parenthood came up, it's an organization that, you know, I went to Planned Parenthood, you know, when I was young and I'd been on the board, um, I think when I was back in Texas. And it just seemed like such an incredible opportunity. It's an organization that makes it makes such a difference in the lives of so many people. In fact, one in five women in this country go to Planned Parenthood at some point in their lifetime. And it seemed like just something I couldn't pass up. And it's been an extraordinary journey. And really awesome. It's an incredible organization. So right now, uh, Planned Parenthood is under attack by our current administration. Correct. Um, and I wonder if you can just explain what, when people say like, oh, they're trying to defund Planned Parenthood, what that actually means. Yeah, perfect question, because it is it is really a misnomer. So right after the election, uh, Speaker Paul Ryan said they were going to defund Planned Parenthood as part of repealing the Affordable Care Act, which you know they're still in the process of trying to do in Washington, even though we have nothing to do with the Affordable Care Act. But it's it's um, the reason why it's a little misleading is we're not actually in the federal budget. There's no Planned Parenthood funding, per se, in the federal budget. We operate just like other health care clinics or hospitals in that we get reimbursed for folks that are on Medicaid who come to us for preventive services. So that means if you're coming in for birth control or 
you think you have an STI or STD and you want to get tested and treated or you need a basic um, physical or for women you need a breast cancer screening or, or a pap smear. So that's what we get reimbursed for. And so what they're basically trying to say is if you rely on Planned Parenthood as your preventive health care provider, you can't come there anymore. And I think one other thing, uh, Tavi, that's really important, we don't get reimbursed for abortion services. Even though we provide abortion services and we think it's incredibly important that that's a service that women can can get. Uh, so this is really misleading as because really what they're doing is taking out uh, the largest national provider of family planning, which is Planned Parenthood. And of course, what we see in other states when they try to do this is unintended pregnancy rates go up, and particularly for young people um, and young women. Can you lay out all of the services Planned yeah. Parenthood provides? I know that's like a Googleable thing. Yeah, but. no, but it's good. No, and I love it when people. I mean, the great thing now is because, I mean, the internet has changed everything. So about six million people, you know, come online to us every month to find out what we, you know, what what we provide, where, and how to get to a health center. But yeah, I mean, our main, uh, I say, the main services we deliver are family planning, birth control, and this is important because. A lot of guys in Congress think that birth control is uh, equivalent to condoms or birth control pills. Those are two methods, and we provide those. But there's actually 18 different kinds of birth control that you can get. And now, because we fought in the Affordable Care Act to get it covered by insurance, you can get any kind at no cost. And that's really important because... Um, one, because then you can choose what's better for you. And for a lot of um, uh, folks, they come to us and they say, well, I'd really like to get an IUD because I want something that's going to last you know, for the next three or four years, or I want something where I don't have to remember to take a pill every day. That's really, really important. It's one of the reasons that we have like a record low in teenage pregnancy, I think, in, in, in the U.S. And it's important because most uh, healthcare providers don't do that. They, you know, I mean, your local doctor might provide birth control pills, but a lot of those folks refer people um, to Planned Parenthood because you can get get birth control. The other the other part of our services, in addition to just general preventive care, is we do a ton of testing for STIs uh, and treatment. And in fact, we're pioneering in some states actually uh, sort of a. Basically, you can order it online. You can get a kit um, to do your own self-home testing, and then we can send a prescription. And so we're trying to take away the barriers, particularly for folks who feel stigmatized about going in for any kind of sexual health services. And we're really excited because we just, uh, we've just we now started um, doing hormone replacement therapy in a number of states. We're in 16 states already doing trans care. And I have heard from patients around the country and our providers that this is kind of groundbreaking. Um, unfortunately, as we're learning about stigma in this country, and I think it's being unpacked more, there are uh, so many folks in this country who just don't even have a local provider that is either medically um, educated to the services they might need and that is non-judgmental. And so that's a role that Planned Parenthood has always played, and we're really proud to be expanding those services across the country. So with all of the misconceptions around what Planned Parenthood provides and stands for and what reproductive rights even are, what, in terms of messaging, um, what do you just wish that everyone understood about Planned Parenthood? Mm -hmm. Our whole, I mean, our motto is care no matter what. And that includes no judgment, no shame. It means Planned Parenthood is a place that you can come to, um, you can get counseling, you can just talk to somebody about maybe a sexual health issue that you can't talk to your parents, maybe no one at school. And that to me is our whole idea, is just taking away barriers uh, to good sexual health care 
and services and making sure that uh, everyone in this country can live their best life. And particularly for young people where I think still, I mean, I came from Texas and there's a lot of there's a lot of places in Texas that it's hard to find out um, just honest, nonjudgmental, medically accurate sex education. Most people do understand because they come to us for health care. There's just a real disconnect, frankly, with politicians. And it's not it's inescapable to recognize that most politicians are men. Most of them have never had to think about birth control, um, never thought about an unintended pregnancy, at least their own. Uh, and so part of the problem is just there, there are folks who, I mean, I hear from men in Congress who literally, they have no idea what a breast exam is. They have never, they, they're completely mystified by a pap smear. And so that's part of our problem is we're trying to explain this to folks who just literally don't have to think about it. And the Freedom Caucus, which is part of the Republican Congress, um, went to the White House to make the final sort of decisions about what was the in the health care bill. And it was they, they, they actually tweeted out a photograph, Vice President Pence did. It was all white men. And they basically decided they would get rid of maternity benefits for women. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the frustrating thing. Um, this health care repeal that they're trying to do is it's going to be devastating for people in America. And I know Planned Parenthood has gotten a ton of the attention because we're such a clear target. And that's going to hurt young people because, I mean, our average patient, most of our patients are between the ages of 15 and 24. And for a lot of them, we're their only health care provider. There's nowhere, if Planned Parenthood isn't available and you live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, for example, Paul Ryan's district, there's there's not going to be somewhere else to go to provide you uh, the services that that we've talked about. I think one of the one of the underreported facts about this um, this bill is it is going to make it harder for young people to afford health insurance coverage. And I mean, part of the big progress we made under President Obama was finally getting young people health care coverage, and we're just about to turn that backwards. And so it, it's so important to me that folks that are listening to this. Uh, and thinking about not only themselves, but also their their friends and their community, it's really important that Congress hears from young people because uh, your health care is at stake for sure. Do you have any advice on how young people listening uh, could get involved? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's been the exciting thing. I don't know if you were at the women's marches, uh, or I, I don't even call it a march because it was marches. It was all across the country, the largest marches in the history of this country, and obviously record numbers of uh, young people participating, and not not just young women. Um, I mean, I think the exciting thing is this is becoming much more of a gender neutral um, neutral issue. So, as I say, marching was really important, but that was just the beginning. And what we're seeing now is, first of all. Um, the major, the vast majority of calls going into Congress against this bill and against the defunding of Planned Parenthood, if we call it that, have been coming from women. So, and those calls make a difference. Day after day, you cannot even get a call into the switchboard uh, because their phone lines are jammed. And so, of course, we're always able to help you find different ways around that and and make sure you get in touch with your member of Congress. So, I just want to make sure I tell you tell folks actually what they can do. They can go to Planned Parenthood. Uh, and sign up to be sort of an activist. You can um, you go to istandwithplannedparenthood.org, and that's a way you can kind of keep up uh, to date. You can sign up. You can also text fight. So that's fight, like as in a in a water boxing match, to two two four two two, and that way that's two two four two two. Just text fight, and that way you're part of our mobile action network. So when when things are coming up, because again given what's going on in Washington, it can be like a moment's notice that we get. 
That way you know immediately, okay, we need folks to phone now. We need folks to come to this town hall meeting. Um, so I think that's a good way of at least being aware. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. That's great yep. because it's so hard to keep up with. It's impossible. It's like ambush after ambush. Um, Can I tell you one other thing, too, yeah. that is really – I was just um, – because I was just in Arizona and – there is a senator, Senator Flake there. He's a Republican, and he's actually up for re-election in, in 2018. And he finally called a town hall meeting, which a lot of these folks are not because they don't want to hear from people. And he called one in Mesa, Arizona. And so hundreds of people showed up, including a ton of Planned Parenthood supporters and patients. Uh, but one was a 16-year-old uh young woman named Deja Fox. She's um, Latina. She's actually on her own, but she's in high school. And Planned Parenthood is the place she goes to for her birth control. And in this town hall meeting, she got called on and she actually spoke to Senator Flake in front of hundreds of people. She's maybe the bravest teenager I've ever met. And she basically said, I'm, she says, I'm a, you know, a young woman, a young woman of color. Um, I'm low income. I'm I want to live the American dream. I want to finish school. I want to be able to go to college. And what you're doing is taking away that uh, opportunity for me. And then it went viral, and now she's kind of like a you know national celebrity. But I think the point is young people speaking truth to power right now has never been more impactful. So I want to encourage your listeners, too, to think – I think everyone in this moment, because there's so much at stake in so many ways – I think folks are just doing more than they ever thought they could or would have to. And so, and a lot of young, uh, really, um, teens all across the country are doing extraordinary things. You attended a lot of protests when you were younger. Yeah. I read that you missed. Um, <laughs> I you, did. <laughs> it's true. You missed your college graduation because you were at a protest. Yeah. Had to switch high schools because mm-hmm. you uh, were protesting the Vietnam War. With a, by wearing an armband at one. Mm-hmm. How has the culture of protesting changed since you were a teen? Well, I actually think there's never been a better time to, to kind of learn how to be an activist. So it's sort of funny. I feel like, yes, in my, when I was growing up, that's just what we did. That was, I mean, it was everything. It was nuclear power. It was the Vietnam War. It was South Africa. It was, and uh, it was a great training ground, frankly, for how to make a difference in the world. And I've been really incredibly privileged because every job I've ever had has been either making trouble or making change. And I think now, you know, one thing that has changed that is very exciting is people can just be connected much more. So like at Planned Parenthood, one of the things we do is not only provide sex education to, you know, more than a million folks every year, but we train tons of teen advocates. And a lot of them are experts at sex education. And in schools, they're really relied upon as sort of the underground railroad, if you will, about like answering questions that young people have, and particularly in areas where there's no good sex education. But we also then train them as leaders and as speakers and as um, to do press, to uh, be able to really just take part in so many different things, go to Washington, meet with members of Congress. And the exciting thing is now when they go back home, whether they're from Tulsa, Oklahoma, or they're from Oakland, California, they all know each other. And they have now created this incredible uh, sort of new generation of activists. And to me, and that's like when I think about Deja in Arizona, she says, you know, look, Planned Parenthood provides my health care, which is awesome. And she needs that. 
but Planned Parenthood also provided her an opportunity to become a leader and speak up for herself and, and, and her community. So to me, that's the exciting thing. If I would say the difference between when I was growing up, when you know everything was just harder to, to keep in touch, um, that's what's changed. And then the, the beautiful thing to me, and this has just happened, I, I really say, in the last 10 years, is young people being able to tell their stories. I mean, it used to be impossible to get these stories into the newspaper anywhere. And now the fact is... Yeah, that a young woman in Arizona can take on a member of the United States Senate and four million people can watch it online, it then creates a whole community that otherwise would have been really hard to develop. So yeah. I think it's very exciting. In the midst of Donald Trump and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan threatening to defund Planned Parenthood and spreading misinformation, how do you find the drive to keep fighting, especially in something that happens where progress happens in increments. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think, first of all, if, you, if you're going to work on issues of uh, social justice, racial justice, economic justice, um, LGBT rights, these are, these are um, battles that are, these are long battles. And you do have to measure progress incrementally. But um, again, I've, I feel like I've been privileged to be part of movements my whole life. And most people don't even have that opportunity. So that part's not hard at all. Um, I do think that I, what I try to keep focused on at Planned Parenthood right now, and I, and this is true probably for the thousands of volunteers and activists that are working on these issues, uh, every single day we keep our doors open. About 8,118 people, is my calculation, get health care. And for many of them, if we weren't open, they wouldn't get health care. So... Right now, you know, we have, they tried to defund us. They they said they were going to do it by January 27th. It was going to be on the president's desk. Boom. Well, um, I think today is April 28th. And so it hasn't happened yet. And so I think of that. That's three months where, you know, folks kept getting health care, including a lot of young people. That's what keeps me going. And and the other, the other part of this, which is so important to me, is that um, we have more activists than ever before. So if it felt like, a, oh, well, this is like a lonesome battle. I'm out here and on my own, but it's not true. I mean, I I cannot get in the subway in New York City or even probably when we go to Indiana tomorrow, someone will stop me on the street and say, you know, aren't you with Planned Parenthood? I got to tell you, Planned Parenthood was there for me, you know, and they tell me their stories. And I mean, what an incredible um, honor to work for an organization that literally has changed people's lives and does every single day. And, and I think that's how all of us feel that get to be part of this movement. So we get a lot of questions about sex education and particularly what girls should do in if they don't really have access to sex ed or adults they can trust. What advice do you have for teens who might not have a grown-up they feel comfortable talking to about sex or protection or birth control so they're not just like Googling stuff or learning secondhand from not uh, reputable sources. Right. Uh, look, I think it's incredibly important, and that's where I do think some things have helped. So one, you can go to Planned Parenthood online, which obviously it's a site, but it we see about 6 million visitors a month that get information about everything. And we try to really answer, answer folks' questions. Um, we also have a chat text program, and about Probably about 20,000 young people text us every month. If you do want to uh, chat with someone, uh, with a health educator at Planned Parenthood, you can text uh, PP now, which is Planned Parenthood now, um, 
774-636. I know it's hard to remember these numbers, but just write it down. 774-636. And you can get answers to questions you need. And then we can't solve every problem. We can actually get you to the kind of healthcare services that you ne- you might need. There are so many folks that literally, as you say, are just they may live somewhere they just they can't talk to their parents or they're worried. And maybe they can talk to their parents, but they're they're concerned about doing that. Uh, we think parents can be the best sex educators in America, but sometimes they even feel that they're not equipped. Those are the kinds of things that Planned Parenthood is here for: is to make sure that we can take away all the mythology, and get you actually good medical information, which is what most young people want. Young people can make good decisions if they actually have someone who will just listen to what they need and and then help them get it. In fact, we just launched um, a new um, app called Spot On. It's a period tracker. Because what we found is in the marketplace, there was no period tracker that actually helped young women not only track their period, but then actually think about, okay, if I, I need to get birth control, then what might work best for me? And so, again, you can download Spot On, and, and uh, it's free, and uh, that's, another, that's another way. But I definitely think getting in touch with Planned Parenthood uh, online is a good way of just answering basic questions. Our producer has a friend named Emma who's a mother and baby nurse in Philadelphia. She works in communities where a lot of people call themselves pro-life but also use Planned Parenthood services. And she wants to know how to account for pro-life people who also support Planned Parenthood. Sure. No, that's a really interesting question. And please tell Emma thank you. It's so, so exciting to have so many women who are now, frankly, training to be reproductive health care providers. And it's really been just kind of a radical change that we've seen in the last few years. I, we don't even actually use the terms pro-life and pro-choice anymore because they're so politicized now that they don't actually reflect, I think, really how people think about issues of abortion and reproductive health care. Because at the same time, and maybe this is a bit of what Emma is seeing in Pennsylvania, There are people who may feel personally that they would not have an abortion or they think they wouldn't because some people then, of course, change their mind later, later on when they are facing, you know, something that's unexpected. But there are there are millions of people in this country who would consider themselves personally not um, supportive of abortion for themselves, but who absolutely believe they can't make that decision for every other woman in in America. And so I, I feel like when we use these political terms that are very binary. It doesn't really speak to the vast majority of people in America who believe that decisions about pregnancy should be made by women and not politicians. And that is honestly, that transcends geography, you know, state lines, income, party. In fact, we had uh, two states that were very conservative states. And if you polled them, they would probably poll as pro-life states, Mississippi and South Dakota, where the legislature uh, actually, they passed legislation to try to ban all abortions in the states. And when the voters actually went to the ballot to to uh, vote on this as referendums, they overwhelmingly defeated those abortion bans. Because again, they could say, look, what I want to do for myself or the decisions I might make for myself may not be right for somebody else. And that's where I feel like we can bridge the divide is quit talking past each people by forcing them to, to like label themselves. And definitely... Tavi, I see this with young people. Young people don't want to be labeled about anything. And I think particularly when we come around in issues of gender, gender identity, sex, sexuality, and I think this 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 fits in that. 
the, the other thing I uh, mentioned is I can't remember if we got to talk about this because it's related to this is, you know, what they're talking about doing actually in Congress by ending access to Planned Parenthood would cut off birth control access for millions of folks in this country at a moment when, in which we're making such enormous progress. I mean, literally, we're at the lowest teen pregnancy rate in our entire history. And um, and the vast majority of teenagers who get pregnant actually don't want to be. I know I think there's also some mythology around that. I think it's something like upwards of 80%. That was not what they were intending for themselves. Uh, and so for young women who don't want to get pregnant, uh, it's really important that they have access to affordable birth control, and too many of them don't. And the thing that is really disturbing is, of course, the young women who have the least access to affordable birth control are young women of color, uh, young women with low incomes, young women who live in states that are you know, politically conservative, if you will. My own home state of Texas, we have the second highest rate of repeat teen pregnancy in the country. And it's pretty obvious why. Because young people don't have access to sex education. They don't have access to birth control. And so it just young people need the opportunity to make their own decisions about their health care and get the health care that they need that helps them if they want to finish high school, they want to finish college, if they want to go on and, I don't know, make their own blog post and become a superstar like Tavi or something. They need to be able to do that. And right now there's too many folks who are being held behind. Uh, and there's no reason. There's no good reason for it. That reminded me of one more question. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about young, how young people feel nowadays about identity and labels. And as conversations around gender identity have become more about um, gender fluidity and taking away this binary of male or female and being mm-hmm. more trans inclusive, have you found that Planned Parenthood has shifted its language to be more trans-inclusive and gender-fluid-inclusive? I think we're always working on it and always have to do better. And, I mean, I think one one of the ways that big organizations like this that's been around, you know, we've been around 100 years, change is by bringing more young people into the organization because I feel like they are the truth-tellers. And so whether it's uh, changing language, changing our health care services and the expanding services, not only for LGBT youth, but literally doing transgender services in, in communities. And the ed- and then, of course, those providers uh, and those health care uh, professionals become evangelists within the organization. And I, I just feel like the whole country is, you know, changing in the right direction. But we recognize that Planned Parenthood as a health care provider, as a sex educator, we, spe- we play a special role and, and have a special duty uh, to be inclusive of everyone. And again, it's where I hope we, like people keep talking about a women's movement. And again, the women's movement, you know, has been an important part of, of what rights that folks have gotten in this country. And if I could say, you know, it, it, right now you look at who's actually really leading what I think of the resistance in America. It's a lot of young women of color who really are on the front lines and always have been. But I do think it's important that we talk about these issues in a much broader framework of just sexual rights and sexual health, because that impacts everyone. And it has been encouraging to me that I think there is a growing understanding that these are not women's issues. These are everyone's issues. And I I credit young people with demanding the change. They're who we need to put in front. (laughs) Cecile, thank you so much for coming in. And this has been so, 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 so helpful and inspiring. Well, it's great to see you. And thank you. Thanks for what you do. And thanks for empowering young people across this country and around the world. 
Thank you so much to Cecile Richards for speaking with us. I'm just going to tell you again how you can get in touch with Planned Parenthood for any info you might need, and I really recommend them as a good source. You can go to plannedparenthood.org. You can text any question you have to PPINFO, that's 774636 in number form. So you could just text them a question like, I forgot to take the pill yesterday, what do I do now? And a qualified person will text you back. It's so easy, it's like Yahoo Answers, except the people doing it actually know what they're talking about. Just keep in mind that they shut down for a while every night when they go to sleep. Up next, podcast host Aminatu So answers one of your questions. That's right after this quick break on The Rookie Podcast. Now let's ask a grown. This is when we ask grown-ups questions that you've sent to us, and this week's grown-up is Aminatu So, co-host of the amazing podcast Call Your Girlfriend. Hello, rookies. I'm Aminatu So, and I'm the co-host of Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties. Here's today's question. I'm going to college in Scotland next year, and although I'm really excited, I sometimes have these waves of anxiety. I'm worried I'll be really homesick for my family and California things. What are things I can do before I leave and while I'm there to combat homesickness? Maggie, 17, California. Ugh, Maggie. Well, first of all, congratulations on uh, getting into college and taking the plunge and going somewhere really far. This question is really near and dear to me because I went to boarding school when I was 14. And that's basically kind of the last time I lived at home. I remember the day that my mom dropped me off at boarding school. I thought I was really tough and it was kind of my idea. Like I conned my parents into letting me go. And the minute my mom and my brother and sister sat in the car and I watched them drive off, I just burst into tears because I realized that it was a huge turning point, you know, like moment for our family. But really, I re- it was the first time that I felt really alone and it was really, really, really scary. A funny thing happened for me at boarding school. Uh, the boarding school that I went to was K through 12. And so literally a sixth grader came up to me and said, you know, the first couple days are really hard and after Thanksgiving it gets easier. And uh, honestly, like that kid ended up being my friend, even though we I was much older than him. Yay! And that advice was really true. It's really hard in the beginning and it gets easier. I think that you should remind yourself why you are making this move and kind of what a big step it is. You should be really, 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 really proud of yourself. You know, you kind of have the courage to like launch and go far and you want to explore somewhere new. And I know that right now you have these waves of anxiety, but I promise that it's going to pay off so much. So what can you do before you leave? I think that um, really like this sounds really obvious, but it's always great. It's like identify things that are your favorites and do them. I think that having rituals is really important, whether it's like your favorite taco or, you know, like the favorite movie theater you like going to or the favorite, your favorite place to swim. 
really visiting those is important. But I think that like making time for your friends also is in this moment is really, really important. And just also making yourself really vulnerable and telling them what you're scared of and what you're excited of when you move and making a plan for keeping in touch. A lot of friendship is literally just maintenance and keeping in touch. And whether that's texting or Skyping or WhatsApping or uh, writing letters the old fashioned way or sending each other packages, you're going to have to figure out like what works for you. But I think that being consistent and reaching out to people in a moment when you think of them is really, really important. And also asking your community to do that for you, you know, like whether like if you have siblings or you have best friends, like telling them that, you know, like you want them to send you like your favorite things quarterly or whatever. There's no shame in asking for help. I think that that's kind of the biggest thing that I've learned in adult life is that if you tell your friends that you need them, they are almost always there for you. And you know, like homesickness, homesickness is real. I feel like I've been homesick since I was 14 for a home that doesn't really exist. I've lived in three different countries, probably in 20 different cities. And home is where my Wi-Fi connects automatically. <laughs> and I try to I try to really, really, really remember that. I think that you should, you know, do all the things that we do, like make a playlist, talk to your friends and keep in touch like those are the three big things that i would identify for you and you know also like make a list of reasons why you're excited for leaving i think that if you can remind yourself of that like what it is that you you have to gain it makes you feel a little better also um make people come visit you you like here's the thing that's exciting about being the one that launches first and goes far away people are always gonna want to come visit you but also maggie just feel all of your feelings sometimes you're gonna be sad and sometimes you're gonna be so ecstatic and so happy that you're not home and all of those feelings are normal it's hard in the beginning and it gets easier good luck to you um this is so worth it and you are so worth it Thanks, Aminatu. Please check out her podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, maybe even right now, since this is the end of the episode. Uh, I was also a guest on that show a few weeks back, so if you want to hear more of my voice and hers, you could listen to that one. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week to hear from George Saunders. He is an author and professor who gives some of the best advice I've ever heard. Whatever your desire is, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, yeah. I think you, the idea is to burn through it quickly, because then you find out what's on the other side of it. That's next week on The Rookie Podcast. I'm Tavi Gevinson. If you like The Rookie Podcast, please give us a rating and review the show on iTunes. We want to know what you think as we bring you more weekly episodes. You can find us at RookieMag.com, RookiePodcast.MTV.com, and at RookieMag on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter and Instagram, I, your host, am Tavi Tool, T-A-V-I-T-U-L-L-E. Plus, check out podcasts.mtv.com and at MTV Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram for more shows from the MTV Podcast Network. This episode of Rookie was produced by Mukta Mohan, Michael Catano, and Kasia Mahalovich for the MTV Podcast Network. 
Thanks to Lauren Redding for making the Rookie Podcast happen. And thanks to Lena Singer for picking advice questions and to Shamir for the Rookie theme song. Thanks to Maria Inniskol for the Portraits and Doodles, to Cynthia Marahej for Rookie's logo, to Hattie Stewart for the logo doodles, and to Beth Heckel for the jewels.